everybody. Welcome to Hope Vale this morning. Why don't you guys stand and worship with us? Let's play. 
So open our hearts, God. That's a, a real prayer to say, uh, Lord, we want to come to church. We hope you open our eyes and the eyes of our heart that we could see you, Scripture says. God, you call us to church uh, and you tell us to not neglect the gathering of the saints, as it says in Scripture. And um, because it's here where we come, where we can be encouraged and we can be encouraged at home and listen to a sermon, but it's something about when we come and when we attempt to get in community and we rub shoulders with other people and then Proverbs happens where it says iron sharpens iron and we encourage each other in our faith. So um, there's a lot of us who uh, have some friends at church and if we don't so much, help us to do that so we can continue to be a people that encourage each other and walk with each other in our faith. Help us to step out of our comfort zones to do that too. So Lord, thank you for this beautiful day, this beautiful weekend, this beautiful morning. God, would you continue to open our eyes in wonder that we could see you today in a powerful way. So thank you, Lord, for your beautiful creation. and Thank you for this time of worship today. It's in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Good morning. So I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor here. And uh, if there are green and white people here in mourning, we love you. We believe in you. There's always next year. So, uh, hey, uh, say hi to somebody around you, and, and we'll see you back in a second. Thanks, gang. Well, good morning again, everybody. I'm Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I think I can actually say, welcome to spring. Yeah, I picked out my shirt this morning because I said, I am done with winter. And it's over. Uh, yesterday, uh, we set up our trampoline in our backyard, and my daughter, Karis, came to me, and she was like, Daddy, it's so amazing. We should have gone to the beach. <laughs> Spoken like a true Michigander, right? Like, it's a little bit warm. It's time for summer. Uh, yeah, so we want to welcome those of you who may be visiting with us for the first time. Uh, man, we're just so glad that you're here. And uh, if that is you, um, as you uh, leave this morning, we would love for you to uh, stop by our Welcome Center. We have a special gift for you just to say thank you so much for, uh, for being here. Uh, a couple announcements just to kind of uh, make us aware of. The first one, a couple weeks from now is um, Easter week, right? And so uh, Monday Thursday services are on April 18th. And Monday Thursday is a, a communion service. It's a little more introspective, a little more reflective. Um, 6, 7.30 identical services. And there's going to be kids ministry at the 6 o'clock. So uh, we'd love for you to join us for that. Um, Easter is on the 21st. And we have uh, identical services at 8, 9.30, 11 o'clock, and 12.30. Uh, we have kids ministry at all of those services. And traditionally, the uh, 9.30 and the 11 o'clock are more full. And so we would ask that you would just consider maybe going to the 8 o'clock or maybe going to the 12.30 to make um, as much room as possible for um, more people to come. You know, back when we built this building, we said we didn't want bigger and better. We want to just make more space for as many people to come to Christ as possible. And so that's, this is one of those opportunities for us as a church to get to do that. And so if you have a, um, the ability to do that, to go to the 8 o'clock or 12.30, we would ask you to consider that to make room, like I said, for as many people as possible to come through our doors to hear about um, Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the cool um, things that I get to announce today is that uh, about a month ago, we had a new student ministry pastor start, and his name is Brent Ferris, and I wanted to introduce him to you today. Um, I asked him, hey, do you want to be on the stage? He goes, no. Um, so <laughs> we have a, a picture of him. This is Brent and his wife, Dana, and their lovely kid, Riker, and uh, we are so excited for them to join us in student ministries. He is going to be 
um, overseeing middle school and high school starting in the fall. He's working right alongside of me up until the end of this school year. Um, so we are really excited to have him here. He's excited to be here, and he's actually excited to meet you. So if you're a middle schooler or a high schooler or a parent of a middle schooler or a high schooler, Brent's going to be in the hub after the service, and he would love um, the chance to, to meet you, to talk with you, and all of that. So we want to welcome Brent to our staff. So exciting, right, to see how God's moving. Yeah, this is it's great. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on here at Hopevale, and we're really excited about it. Now, we're going to continue in our worship services. I'd have the ushers come forward, and we're going to uh, spend some time giving out of a generous heart, out of what God has already blessed us with, and saying, God, we want you to use that in a way to bless other people. So as the ushers come forward, let's go to God in prayer. God, we, um, we thank you for a moment where we can pause in our week and just um, remember you and reflect upon you and think about you. And so, God, I pray that as we, um, as we prepare our hearts in a couple weeks to remember the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus, God, may it never be an old story. May it always be fresh. May it always be new. May it always be inspiring. May it always be something that causes us um, to rejoice and to think more about you. And, uh, God, as we, we give today, God, may we do so out of a generous heart it says, God, you've blessed us with so much. We just want to turn around and bless others and be a blessing to others. And so, God, use what we're about to give to minister to the hearts of people, both um, inside our community and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, friends, we're going to sing this song. Uh, we've sang this a while here at Hopevale. It's called Called Me Higher. And... Um, <clears throat> probably saying this more for myself than I am for you, but uh, God's always calling us to more and he never wants us to just sit and uh, be content in your, in your now. Uh, be content in what God has given you and how he's blessed you, certainly, but not in a way in which you can serve him and be called to uh, a greater um, dependence and a greater uh, heart for serving uh, the Lord. And so God has given you so very much. And uh, I th uh, I'm preaching to the choir quite literally when I say that. But um, we're, we're called to more friends. We're called to a deeper uh, life with him, called to a deeper uh, worship uh, time with him. We're called to deeper meaning with him. So let's be reminded of that as we continue to worship friends. Stay seated. We'll get you up in just a minute. Take us in there. Deeper and I'll go where you 
darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my Lord.
And that's the stuff, you guys. Praise the Lord. Read this together. love you. We honor you. We thank you for drawing our perspective back to center this morning. We thank you for drawing us in and drawing us deep and calling us deeper. God, um, these times, these moments, may we never forget. May these be the, the, the reasons and the memories why we always remember to just come back. Come back to you. Come back to church. Come back and sing our guts out to you about our salvation and about your story. So, Lord, um, all the love you had for this world, thank you so much that you gave. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we all pray and say. Amen. God bless you, friends. Have a seat. Good morning, Hope Al. Good morning. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor. And I'm Ken McGillivray, associate senior pastor. And yes, we did call each other to make sure we would dress alike. You would not believe how much this I know. happens. This is crazy. Yeah. What a morning of worship it's been. I want to welcome those of you joining us at Hopevale Church in Bay City. It was great to spend last Sunday with you, share communion together. Tremendous experience. Hey, before we get to the message, Ken and I have some news that we want to share with you as a church family. Ken? Yeah, I just want to read a letter to all of you as uh, our Hopevale Church family. So, dear Hopevale family, after much prayer, consideration, and counsel, I have decided to resign from the pastoral staff of Hopevale Church, effective April 15th. Renee and I are so grateful to God and to all of you, too, for inviting us to be part of Hopevale's journey for the past nearly 15 years. We love each of you in our Hopevale family. This was the most difficult decision that we have ever had to make in our lives, and that's true. Uh, but we believe it is the decision that God has led us to make. And I realize you may ask why. And the answer is, we believe we have finished our course at Hopevale. We have done all that God has called and enabled us to do here. And you may also wonder, what's next for Pastor Ken and Renee McGillivray? 
And the answer is, we don't know yet, specifically. <laughs> That's maybe not good, but we don't. Um, we do know that we will continue to develop training and resources for church leaders in places like Haiti. Uh, many of you know that we've been going there, I've been going there with Hopevale teams for about the past 10 years and leading pastors' conferences that have just continued to grow mm -hmm. and flourish. And we've had invitations to go to the Dominican Republic and uh, Cuba even and Africa even. And so uh, this, this fall, we started a nonprofit organization called Partnership of Pastors International, and we'll see how God leads with all that. And we believe that it may also include a, a pastoral role at another gospel-centered church just like Hopevale. And we will take all that we have learned and lived out here and pursue this next season of ministry with all our hearts. Um, because of our time at Hopevale, our standards are really high. Um, please pray for us, for Renee and I, as we determine our next steps. So thank you for your partnership in the gospel. From the first day that we showed up here almost 15 years ago, until now, uh, thank you for sharing your lives in Christ with us. It means more to us than we can express to all of you this side of heaven. Thank you. Ken mentioned uh, 15 years. I remember very specifically, it was June of 2004. It was Bible Camp Week at our facility in Shattuck, and you and your family pulled in with a moving van, and a bunch of us hopped in and moved you in there. And ever since then, Ken, you have put your fingerprints on this church. Uh, we have community groups as a thriving ministry, well over 50, because of Pastor Ken's leadership, because of Ken's heart to see that church is much more than just an hour on Sunday, and that we're meant to live out the Christian life together. And that is how we grow in Christ. Ken has been a kindred spirit with me and being a student of God's word and has challenged and encouraged me in that on numerous occasions, Ken. And um, yeah, we're here. People's lives have been touched and changed. You've walked as a shepherd among many people too. You've been with them in moments like weddings and funerals and hospital visits and you will be missed tremendously. No, God has something incredible for you. You know, Ken mentioned his ministry to Haiti. Um, you actually have another uh, trip on the books, don't you? Yeah, we do. So the first week of June, we're going to Haiti again with the Hopevale team. So yeah, and God has us. been using that to bless the church international through that as well. So as Ken said, next Sunday will be the next Sunday that you guys yeah. are around. But this coming Friday, uh, 6.30 to 8 o'clock in the venue right here in our Saginaw campus, we're going to be having an open house for Ken and Renee. And 
you're invited to drop in and uh, give your well wishes. You can also drop a card, a note, either to the open house or uh, just to the church offices as well. Um, I thought it'd be appropriate for us to pray for Ken and Renee. Thank God for their ministry here and for his guidance in the months ahead. So let's pray together. And God, we do thank you. Ken used the words... um, A partnership in the gospel. Yeah. And that's what this has been. Because Jesus, your work is worthy. Your good news is incredible. And it truly takes a body for that to happen. Thank yeah. you for Ken and using him to equip and empower and unleash the body here. To love you, to love one another. And to love people both inside and beyond the four walls of this congregation. God, he has not only laid a foundation for discipleship in community, but God, you have used him to grow that. And may uh, the impact ripple well beyond his time with us. And God, as um, he steps out in faith, would you guide, provide, lead Ken and Renee for the next kingdom assignment that you have for them? God, we always talk about the little C local church and the big C church of Jesus Christ. And so it's in a moment like this that we share Ken with the big C. And God, send him out with your blessing, with your empowerment, and the love and appreciation of a church family. So we give them to you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I told Ken I wasn't going to let him walk off stage just yet because today we're wrapping up our confidence in the chaos series in First John, and um, there's such a thing as a swan song, um, this would be it. We gathered last summer, Ken and I, to talk about a series in First John, and Ken was the driver and leader in making the First John Journal happen. Ken also, along with Shannon Ramler, our community groups director, um, launched these discussion groups, these First John D groups, and you empowered community groups as well to go through all that we've been sharing, and that's been powerful, Ken. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And we, this is our last Sunday in First John, so we wanted to recognize if you're a community group leader, if you're a D group facilitator, you've taken a group through the First John series, uh, would you stand... D group facilitators, community group leaders, don't be shy. Wow, look stand at that. right up. That is phenomenal. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, leader. Thank you. Thank you so much. Go ahead and stay standing for just a moment. If if you were if you were part of a community group or a D group that went through the series a Confidence in the Chaos, the first John series, go ahead and stand as well, would you? You were part of a group through the yeah, series. That's phenomenal. Fantastic. Thank you. You can be seated. Yeah, the stories we heard about the discussions, the questions, the conversations all throughout this series were just powerful. All right. Well, our passage for today, 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. Ken, why don't you uh, take it away? Yeah, it's on page 52 of your journal, if you have it. 1 John 5, beginning with verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, 
He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that, but all wrongdoing is sin, and there is a sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. And we know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And then John wraps up with these words, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Thank you. You know, uh, here at Hope Val, we have a mission statement. And it's a statement of direction that provides us a compass. It's like a north star for where we are and where we need to be headed. This mission statement is God-glorifying, Christ-centered, spirit-led, and scripture-rooted. And I want to share our mission statement with you this morning because as we wrap up this series, you know, it completely overlaps with everything that we've seen in 1 John. It really does. So here it is. Our mission is this. We are a community of grace and truth inviting people to know and follow Jesus. Inviting people to know and follow Jesus. See, as a church, we're more than just a collection of individuals. We are a community. A living, breathing, spiritual, dynamic community where our common ground more than anything else is found in Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, the living Word. The one who is full, John says in his gospel, of grace and truth. This is what it means to be the church. The church, and more than anything else, as John repeats all throughout the letter of 1 John, we're called to love each other as a church, just as God has so loved us. And so we express to each other this amazing love that we've experienced from Jesus. It's just like we saw in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, where John says this, this is love. Not that we love God as if we took the initiative with God, No that he loved us. And how did he love us? He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He gave us his son, our savior, Jesus. That's where the love comes from. And when this kind of love is lived out in the church, and maybe we don't do it perfectly, but when we do it purposefully and passionately, in the gospel of God's great love, you know what happens? It becomes visible becomes tangible, comes inviting to the world around us where other people then are drawn to the light, to the life, to the love of our God. And they join with us in knowing Jesus personally as their Savior and following Jesus fully as their Lord. This is who we are, a community of grace and truth, inviting people to know and follow Jesus. So make no mistake about it. 
that the book of 1 John and our journey through it, they're exactly what we need if we are going to continue to be the kind of church that puts a smile on God's face. That's what I want for Hope L. That's what I want for you, and I hope you do too. So that's our goal, but here is the challenge. Becoming that kind of church that's filled with those kind of Christians is anything but a given. It's anything but a given. Why? Because 1 John also teaches us that we are competing with a chaos that tries to throw us off course. Can I say that again? We're competing with a chaos that tries to throw us off course. And John tells us that this chaos comes in all shapes and sizes. There is the chaos of our culture in a combative worldview that dismisses your faith as a fairy tale. There is the chaos of a spiritual adversary that John talks a lot about. Satan, the devil, the evil one, who loves nothing more than to rattle Christians in their confidence and to sow seeds of division within the church. Do anything that'll keep us from obeying God and loving each other. Then there's the chaos of trials and temptation, and indwelling sin that distract us from the life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And then on top of all that, as we've seen in 1 John and the setting behind it, there is the chaos of counterfeit Christianity, imitation religion that exists in our day as well. We're sure they may speak about God, they may even profess belief in Jesus, but not the same Jesus John knew. Not the one John and the other apostles saw firsthand with the real Jesus of Nazareth, his ministry, his miracles, what they experienced for themselves both before and after the crucifixion and the resurrection. The point is the chaos that we live in is real, people. It's real. And so with all this chaos swirling around us in the world, swirling among us in the church, and swirling within us as people, it can cause us to doubt, right? Chaos can cause us to question, to feel insecure in our faith, and maybe even feel abandoned by God. That he's not there for us, that he doesn't really care about us. That's what the chaos can do to us. And sad but true, I think there are many of us here who personally know friends, we know family members, we know former church colleagues who are casualties of the chaos. Or maybe... It's not someone else. Maybe it's you. That even right now, your, your faith is just hanging on by a thread. Or maybe that thread just broke and you've lost all hope. Or maybe you are one of those casualties and you're wondering if you can ever come back to the life and the love that you once enjoyed in Jesus. See, this is what I so appreciate about John in the book of 1 John. See, John is not naive, nor is John dismissive about the reality and the intensity of the chaos we face and how dangerous it can be to our faith, both personally as Christians, but also our unity collectively as a church. John knows it's dangerous. That's why he warns us about the chaos. But even better than that, John also is not a defeatist. He's not a defeatist that no matter how overwhelming the chaos might get, he doesn't wring his hands and worry, right? Because John knows he's not in it alone, and he knows that we're not in it alone. We're not, no, as Christians, just like he tells us in 1 John 4, 
verse 4. I love this. I hope you take this with you even beyond this series. You dear children, you are from God and you have overcome them, the forces that try to undermine your faith. Why? Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you, the risen Christ, the living Lord, the indwelling Holy Spirit, he is greater than the one who is in the world, the ruler of this world, Satan himself and all his demons, he is greater. And he's greater on your behalf, which means that the Jesus in me is greater than the chaos around me. The Jesus in me is greater than the chaos around me. Can you say that with me? The Jesus in me is greater than the chaos around me. See, that's why you can have confidence in the chaos. We're not talking about the kind of confidence that people turn to in their times of trouble, like self-sufficiency and pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and just trying harder. People turn to worldly wealth. People turn to the power of positive thinking. These are approaches that might sustain you for a season, but over time they cannot and they will not see you through the struggles and give you victory in the end. No, the kind of confidence we're talking about is found in Jesus Christ, the one who is greater, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The one who heals the sick, who stills the storm, who binds the demonic, who raises the dead. And so whatever your chaos might be now or in the future, Jesus is greater. He's greater and he is the Jesus that is with you. He is the Jesus that is for you. And he is the Jesus that is in you, that the Jesus in me is greater than the chaos around me. And so having said all that, that's why John, as he wraps up his letter in chapter 5, focuses all his efforts on this theme of confidence. Confidence to remind all true followers of Jesus, both then and now, everything we need to know to help make it through the chaos. Because everything we need is everything we already have in Christ. We already have it. It's ours now, always, and forever, and it can never, ever be taken from us. That's why as we go back to the passage, we're going to see John use the word know, K-N-O-W, seven different times. Seven different times, because there are things that we need to know as Christians up here in here that we need to hold on to, that we need to remind each other of all the time. And so that's how John begins this closing section. With verse 13, this is our theme verse for this series. We have seen this numerous times before where John says this, I write these things to you, right? He's looking back at four and a half chapters of doctrinal teaching, of ethical instruction, of practical advice for these confused and challenged Christians who hadn't bailed from the church, right? Hadn't left with the defectors, these false teachers who were trying to lead people astray. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. That you may know, both up here but also right here, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you, because of Jesus, have eternal life. You have it. You possess it. This greatest God-given gift that anyone could ever have. Eternal life. Forgiveness. Fellowship with the one true God. That is both yours now here on this earth, but also is yours for the life to come 
with Jesus in the new heaven and the new earth forever. Eternal life in Jesus Christ. This is where our deepest longings, longings of every human heart are fulfilled. And so beyond the times of doubt, discouragement, disappointment, depression, whatever other chaos tries to undermine your faith, John says this eternal life is yours. It's 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 you have it. It's ours, church. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus, so that you may know that you have eternal life. There's the confidence. Now, while all this is true, it does take some effort on our part to keep this gift of eternal life front and center in our hearts and with our attention. And that kind of effort is something called prayer. Prayer, verse 14. This is the confidence. There's our word, right? This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know, we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So John encourages us to pray with these two words in mind, approach and ask, approach and ask, approach and ask. Approach God with confidence because of Jesus and ask God with certainty, knowing that he hears, that he answers our prayers. He does, that's what these verses are about. They're an invitation to bring your life, to bring the chaos to God. Now, just to be clear, while I did use the word effort to talk about prayer, because after all, praying is something we have to choose to do, the power in prayer doesn't come from our effort, okay? Let's make that clear. No, the power comes from God. It comes from God, this heavenly Father who is caring enough to hear us, but is also strong enough to answer us. So John says that God will... Answer us if and when we pray according to his will. Praying according to his will. See, God is not a genie. And prayer is not rubbing a magic lamp to get our three wishes. No, prayer is about submitting our will to a greater wisdom and a higher love that God has for us. A God who does all things well in his own time, even if we can't see it at the time, right? And so what we learn as Christians over time, that as we pray, is that God is incredibly generous. God's generous with us. And that the blessing of prayer is not just in the petition and what we ask for, it's also in the process and who we become, right? Prayer changes things, prayer changes us. And so one of the major ways we hold on to our own confidence in Christ is through the power of prayer. And by the way, prayer, not just for ourselves, but John goes on, it's prayer for each other, verse 16. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray. And God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death, and I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. Now, there's a lot of complexity with these verses, where John talks about sin that does or does not lead to death. And many of you might remember that we already looked at this in our halftime Q&A message at the end of February. So I'm not going to revisit all that this morning. You can track that down online in our message archives where we go into greater detail. It does have to do with the setting and the context of these false teachers, where John confronts their heresy, the rejection of the one true Jesus, right? 
But this morning, I don't want us to miss the bigger point of what John's trying to do here. And this is a call for us to pray for each other so we can help each other hold on to the confidence that is ours in Christ. So back to verse 16. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and ask, and God will give them life. See, the point is we're in a battle, people. A spiritual battle. Where Satan wants to destroy Christians, he wants to divide churches, including ours. Because here's the thing, you know, everyone who's part of Hope Valley, even the most godly Christians among us, we still sin. We're going to sin, we're going to mess up, and not only that, sometimes we're going to sin against each other. And so John's encouragement is this, that instead of picking apart your brother or sister, instead of pointing out the ways they failed and hurt you, we're supposed to be praying for them. Because the fact is, fault-finding, destructive criticism, those have never rescued anyone out of the downward spiral of their sin and selfishness. Never. Now, how do people experience the conviction, the repentance that is needed to bring them back to life? First and foremost, it's prayer, John says. And so, yes, we're invited to approach God confidently in prayer, to ask him for anything according to his will, but then we're also called to pray for each other. And I think back to chapter 3 where, you know, John says, you know, we're to help out a Christian brother or sister materially. Well, in the same way, we're also called to support each other spiritually. And the way we do that is through the ministry of mutual prayer. And so my encouragement for all of us who call Hopeville their church home is to spend less time picking each other apart and pointing out the flaws. Less time doing that and more time praying for each other. Because in case we need to be reminded, church, the real enemy is not in here. Your real enemy is not flesh and blood. No, your real enemy is an unseen spiritual adversary named named Satan who prowls around, the apostle Peter tells us, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's why we, this imperfect community of forgiven sinners who are still in process, right? It's why we need to pray. That's for God's strength, his help, his will, both for ourselves and for each other. That we can approach God in confidence and ask God in certainty. For what? That he can give us the victory over the chaos. Well, after encouraging us to tap into the power of prayer, John begins to wrap up by giving us three more statements of confidence and assurance. Reminding us to hold on to what we know to be true. So let's take a look. Verse 18. We know that anyone born of God, that's a Christian, right? Christians. Anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God, Jesus, right? Keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. The one born of God does not continue to sin. This is contradictory to what these false teachers were saying that, hey, if you know God, you can do whatever you want. And, And John's like, no, right? To live a life that, you know, is pursuing godliness, to move away from sin. But even beyond that, you want confidence, here it is. Jesus promises to protect those of us who are born of God, to protect those of us who have eternal life because of him. So yes, we're going to be tested, we're going to be tempted, we're going to be tried. Satan is going to try to deceive us, accuse us, slander us through all kinds of lies our ways. We're not going to be spared of that this side of heaven, right? We, we need to know that. But we're also not in it alone. No, as long as we run to Jesus as our refuge, what does John say? He'll keep us safe. He'll keep us safe because we cling to what? We cling to the one who is greater. 
And because he is greater, the evil one cannot harm us. This we know, this promise of protection. Verse 19, John goes on. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know we are children of God. You know, when I read this verse, I think of the song we sing here at Hope Bell, Who You Say I Am, right? You know that one, right? Who, who You Say I Am? Because I think this is John's way of reminding us and assuring us of what? Of our primary identity. Who you are more than anything else. You are a daughter. You are a son of the living God because of Jesus. This is who you are. You are chosen, not forsaken, that God is for you, not against you. So even though you live in a world that is under control of the evil one, it's going to try to convince you otherwise, that you should define yourself by something else like your possessions, your positions, your prestige, your pleasures, your partners, your moral performance, right? Anything else. Right? And every single day for the rest of your life in this world, the evil one is going to try to undermine your primary identity as a child of God. And he's going to use things like doubt and discouragement and distraction. This is the kind of world we live in. This is the chaos swirling around us. And so that's why we need to pray for each other. That's why we need to remind each other who God says we are, not the world. Don't let the world around you define you as a person. No, we know, John says, that we are children of God. Verse 20, we know also that the Son of God has come. He has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God an eternal life. As I was studying this week, I read something interesting about this word that's translated as true here. I mean, while it does mean truth, it also is trying to convey something deeper, like real, like the way things really are. True reality, seen and unseen. In other words, regardless of how things may appear in life, Regardless of how persuasive other voices may sound, John wants us to make sure that reality begins and ends with the unseen, the almighty, the eternal God, who revealed himself through his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. This Jesus who came into the world, this Jesus who John saw with his own eyes, and this Jesus gives us real true understanding about the way things really are, that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and that Jesus is that Savior for us. And that by believing in him, knowing him in a personal way, we can be brought into a forever relationship with God, which is the essence of eternal life, all because of Jesus. And so as we live in this world, we live in a world where people are searching for answers. We live in a world where people are trying to connect with God or something bigger, something higher than themselves that they can't quite describe. John reminds us that this search is over. Why? Because you know what is true. You know what is real. You know what is ultimate. You know what is eternal. You know that even though there are all these restless, wandering hearts around you, what they're trying to find, you've got it. We've got it. It is Jesus Christ, God's son. He is the true God. He is the real God. He is eternal life. And he is where your capital L life is found. Don't ever forget it. Verse 21, John wraps up. Dear children then, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from any God alternative, any God substitute around you that is trying to take the place of Jesus' lordship in your life. 
Counterfeit Christianity. These things that promise everything, but in the end they deliver nothing. Idols can be, you know, false teaching, misrepresentations of who the living Christ really is. But idols can also be blessings from God, like family, companionship, security, comfort, even religion can turn into objects of worship if we're not careful. So John, as his parting word says, watch out. Be on your guard. Keep yourself from idols. And how do you do that? By keeping Jesus as the ruler on the throne of your hearts, the object of your worship. And as you do, God will give you the confidence in the midst of your chaos. Verse 21. And I can't believe we're done. (laughs) I can't believe we have come to the end of our 13-week journey through this powerful and personal book known as 1 John with everything I've heard from you, with everything that I've experienced myself, I know that these words that point us to the light, to the life, and the love of God, right? they're going to stay with us far beyond this series. They will, because all the promises, all these challenges, all these encouragements are rooted in truth. They're rooted in the reality of the unchanging, everlasting God that we worship. And so as we go from here, as we bring this series to a close, I want to ask you a couple final questions. I want to ask you these questions because I think they are questions that the Apostle John would ask you if he were here. So here's the first question. Do you know if you have eternal life? Do you know if you have eternal life? Do you know if your sins are forgiven? Do Do you have the assurance of heaven after you die? Now, some people don't think it's needed. Other people don't think it's possible, and still others don't think it's guaranteed. And you know what? If it's up to how good we are and our own morality, then they're right. The lesson of 1 John is that it doesn't have to be up to us. It's why Jesus came into this world for us. It's why Jesus died on the cross for us. It's why Jesus rose from the grave for us so that everything we could never earn on our own would be given to us instead. It's like we saw last week, Pastor Sam's message. Here's the bottom line. 1 John 5, verse 11, verse 12. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son, Jesus. Life's in Jesus. And whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. This is challenging and encouraging. It's challenging because you're like, wait, there's only two choices? (laughs) But it's encouraging because there is a path to life through believing in Jesus. So do you have the Son? 13 weeks in this series, front row seat to Jesus. Do you believe that he is the Son of God sent into this world to be your Savior? Because if you do, then you can be absolutely confident that eternal life is yours. But if you don't, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to have the Son. I want to invite you to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior with all your hearts. How do you do that? Is it about going to a class? Is it about, you know, putting your time in at church? No, it's a confession of the heart. It's a simple prayer that goes something like this. Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I cannot save myself. 
So be that Savior for me. That the spotless, perfect Lamb of God who died on the cross in your place for your sins is who he says he is because he rose from the dead. So that life could be ours, eternal life now and forever. If you've never made a commitment like that, if you've never made a profession of faith like that, today's the day you can do that. And we'd love to help you out. Pastor Steve in Bay City would love to talk to you about that as well, right? Because more than anything else, right, when it comes to church, it's Jesus front and center and Jesus in your life. That's the first question. Here's the second, and I'll close with this. Are you confident that eternal life is yours forever? Are you confident that eternal life is yours forever? Now, this might look like the same question, but it's not, because that first question is for everyone here. But then the second question is for those of you who would identify yourself as a Christian. Are you confident that eternal life will always be yours? Because it's one thing to say you believe, but it's another thing to be so confident in the one in whom you believe that it radically changes how you live and how you love. So that no matter the chaos, you can stand strong and press on. And how can you be so confident? Because you know your identity. You are a child of God. You know your purpose. It's to obey God and to love other people, especially those in the church. And you know your destiny. You know where you're going. It's heaven forever. With the Father, with the Son. 1 John 5, verse 13, our theme verse for the series, one last time, I write these things to you, all of you, who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. Forgiveness of sin, fellowship with God. So let's be, right? Let's be those kind of Christians who live confident in the chaos because of Jesus. And then let's be that kind of church that reminds each other of that all the time, that celebrates that in our worship, and that loves each other sacrificially. Why? Because our God has first and forever loved us. This is where we experience confidence in the chaos of life. Let's pray together. God, thank you that in a world of uncertainty and skepticism, we can know. We can know. And God, I pray we would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we have eternal life because of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, fellowship with God, and that if there's anyone here who has never made that confession to you, asked you, Jesus, to be their Savior, that today would be the day. With a simple prayer like, Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I cannot save myself, so Jesus, be that Savior. Be my Savior. Right? And that by believing, they would have the Son, and that by having the Son, they would have eternal life. And God, for those of us who have been given that gift. It is ours. Would you fan, fan the flames and make it come alive in us so that we may live, we may love like never before. That as our confidence is rooted deeper, 
it would just spill out and in all sorts of ways, not just one hour on Sunday, but all 168 hours of the week in every area of our lives. So we wanna be those kind of Christians. We wanna be that kind of church for the glory of God, for the good of others and our own joy that comes in Jesus. This is our heart, this is our prayer. We pray this in the one who is the way and the truth and the life. In his name is Jesus, amen. Everybody, let's stand and declare that he is our way and our truth in our life. Let's sing this together. It's a new horizon and I'm set on you. You meet me here today with mercies that I knew. All my fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't stay long when I'm here with you. It's a new horizon, and I'm set on you. You meet me here today with mercies that are new. All my fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't stay long when I believe you are. I believe. It's us as a church saying, we believe. You are, you have been, and you will always be the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. So, the book of Ecclesiastes says there's a time and season for everything. And we say goodbye to 1 John, and we welcome a series next week called Eight Days, One Story, beginning in Palm Sunday and ending in Easter. Looking forward to that. Book of Ecclesiastes, when it talks about a season for everything, today we're welcoming Brent Ferris and we're saying goodbye to Pastor Ken. And I wanna encourage you, Ken will be out in the lobby, Brent will be in the hub and encourage you to talk to them as well. But as you go from here, may you go in the confidence that comes in Jesus Christ, who is the way and the truth and the life. God bless you.